Good morning, everybody. Glad you're here. Let's stand up. Sing it out. Here we go. Take us in, Matt. Lord, your love builds bridges that cannot be burned. It speaks truth that cannot be learned. It's a treasure we can never earn. Oh, it goes places where you're afraid of going. It's not a fist, it's a hand wide open. We're reaching out to the down and broken.
we sing of your worth uh, today. We sing of all that you've done for us. And Jesus is the one who's worthy to open the seal um, 
break the seal and open the scroll. He's the one that's worthy, as it says in Revelation, of all honor and glory and praise. He's the one that the elders and the creatures and the saints fall prostrate before and lay flat. And as it says in Scripture, they never stop saying, holy, holy, holy is the one, is the Lord Almighty, the one who is and is to come. That's so different from our world where we're thinking about plans for making lunch. God, may you set our perspective to true north today. May you remind us that we live lives that um, are passing and they come and go. May you remind us that you are forever the same. May you remind us that there is a day where we'll see your glory face to face. And yet until that day comes, you have us marching for you here to help accomplish your mission and to live for you the best way we can. So Lord, as we come into worship today, I pray that um, all those things and plans of today just sort of just, even though they're priorities, they just sort of take their place. They get patted down. And Lord, you get raised up. And Lord, uh, we see you in the light of who you are as we continue to worship you, as we continue to focus on you today. Or what a perspective. Sundays do that, and I love Sundays because of that. Thank you, Lord, that we get to come together and remind each other um, to do that. We love you, Lord. It's in your name we all pray and say. Amen. Thankful you're here today, friends. I'm Billy. I'm the worship pastor. And uh, while you're standing for just a few moments, just say hi to somebody around you. Tell them good morning. We'll see you back in a second. Thanks, gang. Good morning again, Hopeville. How are you guys doing this morning? Good morning. All right. Hey, it is great to be here together this morning. My name is Adam Harbaugh. I'm one of the pastors here at Hopeville. And so I just want to extend a special welcome uh, to everybody in this room, but especially if you're a a first-time visitor with us this morning. We're just really glad that you've chosen to come and worship with us here at Hopevale today. And as you came into the auditorium this morning, hopefully you were handed a program. And this serves a couple purposes. You can use it to take some notes on the message here in a little bit. There's also this tear-off card on the bottom. And if you're willing to share some of your information with us, we would just love the opportunity to reach back out to you. Thank you for coming and point you to some different upcoming opportunities that we have around here. You know, really our heart is to see people connect in groups where they can find a place to belong or find a team to serve on and, and put uh, the gifts that God has entrusted to you to use for his kingdom. And so we would love to open that dialogue with you uh, of what that can look like. So again, thank you so much for being here today. I've got a couple of announcements, and uh, so three things I'm going to hit you with really quick, but before I dive into those, I'm going to remind us that these are things, you know, because when I share them with you verbally, they're going to go in one ear and out the other, and you're not going to remember them, right? Yeah, okay, thanks. Just glad we're on the same page with that. So uh, over the last couple weeks, we've been talking about uh, our new Hopevale app, right? And so the things that we're talking about on, on stage, uh, that information dump can also be found there. And it was cool because about 10 minutes ago, my phone started buzzing at me, and it was the Hopevale app. Uh, and when I clicked on the notification, it pulled up today's message notes. Like, how cool is that? Did anybody else have that experience? Okay, you guys need to get in there and check your notification settings. Uh, so to this point, about 1,000 people have downloaded the app, and so we just want to continue to encourage you, dump, uh, jump in there, check notification settings. There's great information in there and, and things for you to access. All right, 
Now for my three announcements. So if you have a youth between the grades of 7 and 12, uh, our youth retreat is coming up in March. And this coming Saturday, there is a special one-day-only sale for you to get your student registered for this retreat. And so, you know, some would say that they actually added an extra day in the calendar this year, February 29th, Saturday, February 29th, for this one-day sale. And so this coming Saturday... You can register your student for the reduced price of $175. If you don't act on Saturday, February 29th, that price is going to go back up to $200 on Sunday, March 1st. So put that in your calendar. You know, we're hoping to continue to see those registrations come through for the youth retreat, an incredible weekend that God uses in the lives of students to grow Uh, their faith and their hearts for for him, for the Lord, and living their lives in obedience to him. We also have a six-week foundations course that's going to be launching March 1st. This is a study group that we have that's just very foundational in terms of our beliefs as Christians, uh, all about the Christian faith. And so if that sounds interesting to you, if you'd like to learn more, we'd encourage you to stop by the Welcome Center this morning, get more information, or get registered for that group there. And then finally today, uh, we are going to have the opportunity to take communion together, which means that after the service, uh, a handful of our elders will be in the hub, which is a room right off the lobby to my right, your left. So our elders will be there and just making themselves available to pray for you. And so if throughout the service today or our time of taking communion together um, and talking about baptism later, if any of that you know, God is just sparking something in you and you desire uh, prayer, we would encourage you to stop by the hub after the service and we would love to pray with you and for you. Um, so at this time, that was the announcements. How'd we do? Good? You guys still with me? Great. This time I want to invite the ushers to come forward. As we continue uh, in our service this morning, this is just our, our chance to worship through giving. You know, and Pastor Dan talked about that last week, just that leap into giving. And what Uh, A great encouragement that is for us that, you know, at Hopevale, we really view uh, our our giving as an act of worship. And it's also that thermometer on just our own uh, hearts for the Lord and just our, our desire to be obedient to him, to hold the things that he's entrusted to us loosely. And so for us, this is an opportunity to uh, acknowledge to God that we are viewing him as uh, being on the throne over every area of our lives. And so no matter where we're at, this is that encouragement to give to back to God as an act of worship. And so I would encourage all of us to just prayerfully consider what God is laying on our hearts to give to him in obedience today. And we get to then sit back and just see how God is going to use that, not only in growing our own faith personally, but then just how he is going to impact others right here in this community and around the world as well through our, our, through our obedience. So as we prepare to give, let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we thank you so much for today. Lord, in this opportunity that we have to gather together in this place and to worship you. Lord, the songs that we have uh, sung to you this morning so far just such acknowledgments that you are the God of this universe and we're not. And so, Lord, part of gathering is just, uh, it's that making sure that our hearts are reoriented and aligned with 
you, God, and who you are and the place that you hold over all things. So God, even by our presence here today, we want to acknowledge that. We want to glorify your name and put you in that place that you rightfully are. So God, in every aspect of uh, the service today, uh, we pray that uh, you would just do what only you can do, God, through your Holy Spirit, that you would speak to us through these songs, through opportunities to give, through uh, Pastor Dan digging into your word and talking about uh, all of these things that are relevant to our lives today. Uh, God, we want to glorify you in everything that we do. And, and Lord, may we just um, have the opportunity to sit back and be in awe at your goodness for us and the opportunity that we have to spread your name, your glory uh, all around this region and the entire world. And so God, today we are here to say that we love you, we glorify you, and we want to live for you. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Thanks, Adam. We're going to sing this song uh, we've been singing for a while called King of Kings. Go ahead and take us in, Rod. And uh, it tells the story, a gospel story. It's the, it's his, the prophecy of Christ. It's his birth when he showed up. It's his life and his death and his resurrection. It's such a powerful story. And the chorus, we get to just praise the Father and the Son and the Spirit together. Brittany's going to lead us.
story of our faith, friends. So beautiful. God bless you. We're going to move into our time of communion today. So let's have a seat and prepare our hearts for that. And what a beautiful, powerful song that is all about Jesus Christ, our Savior, the King of Kings. And uh, so many good lyrics in that song. One of the ones I just want to uh, repeat to us again Right To reveal the kingdom coming and to reconcile the lost, to redeem the whole creation, you, Jesus, did not despise the cross. For even in your suffering, you saw to the other side, knowing this was our salvation, Jesus, for our sake, you died. And so that is really what brings us to the cross and how just crazy ironic that is that it's a place of death and suffering that Jesus was willing to go to and that's the place where we go to find salvation and life it's such a contrast and yet it's what Jesus did for us because he knew that in our brokenness in our state of lostness and sin that he was the only answer It was only through his perfect sacrifice that we would be able to be redeemed to our creator. And that is the opportunity that he gives to us as his children and then as his followers. And so that that is what the heart behind communion is. So this opportunity to come to the cross and to remember what Christ has accomplished for us. And so as we prepare uh, to remember what Jesus did on the cross for us, you know, today, the only, thing, the only thing necessary as a part of that is that you have personally crossed that line of faith, that you recognize your sinfulness, your brokenness, your need for a Savior, and that you are looking to Christ and Christ alone as your personal Savior. And that within that, you know, there's this, this obedience to follow him with all of your life, every area of your life. And so if that doesn't describe you or your heart or just where you're at in life today, uh, we would encourage you to just pass the elements on by and to not participate. And we say that because of just the significance of what it means for followers of Christ to take the bread and the cup and remember his death on the cross for our behalf. And so if it doesn't hold that personal meaning for you, then there's really, uh, it's just, it's not significant for you in a way that you should participate. And so we would encourage you to pass those elements down the row. And parents with any kids in the room, that same principle applies. You know, you know where your, your kids' hearts are on this issue and if they have come to this place of salvation in Christ. And now we say all that not to exclude anybody or put anybody on the spot to call them out. It just highlights the seriousness of this time and what we are, what we're remembering. But within that, I want to be very clear that there is an invitation to you uh, to cross that line of faith. And that's a decision that can be made today. You know, Jesus died for everyone so that everyone might have the opportunity to respond to his work of what he accomplished on the cross. And so what that could mean, what that could look like for you today is just this acknowledgement that, you know, hey, I have tried every which way to live this life on my own for myself. 
And I think when we try to do that, we just get this sense that I continue to come up short. I continue to come up empty. And when we stand before Christ, it's not a matter of our efforts to try to become or to be something that we're not. It's purely a surrender to Christ and to look to him and say, I, I'm a, I, I failed on my own. I can't do this on my own. I can't save myself. And I need you to save me. It's that total shift in perspective to acknowledge that you need a Savior. And so the encouragement is there for anybody who has not made that decision, that crossing of the line of faith, to do that today. We would welcome and invite you to do that and then gladly give you that opportunity to participate in in taking communion today. So as we consider all these things, I want to invite the ushers to come forward as they prepare to pass the bread and the cup. And as they come and we prepare to do that, just a a reminder that in the trays, we have both the bread and the cup stacked together. And so as it comes down, if you're participating, please grab both cups. The bread is on the bottom and the, uh, the juice is on the top cup. So grab both of those cups. And then after a time of uh, just some music being played instrumentally and this opportunity that we have uh, to reflect on all that Christ has done for us and this opportunity to just continually realign our hearts uh, with his goodness in our lives. Then I'll come back up and and give instruction for taking these elements together. Uh, But as we prepare for all of that, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we are continually in awe of how much you love us and out of that love, what you chose to do for us when you didn't have to. And so God, once again today, we want to pause and remember the significance of the sacrifice that you made for us. Lord, we just want to stand before your cross and, and be reminded of the sacrifice that you made for us. Lord, it's in those moments that it it really uh, just reminds us that we have been bought with a price. And out of that, there's almost no other option than to give our lives to you because you gave your lives for us. And so Lord, that's what we want to do as we remember in this moment what you have done for us. And so, God, we want to lay our entire lives at your feet and just allow your spirit to convict us of things that are not in align with the heart of who you are, God. Lord, that's our desire to become more and more like you. Lord, you are our beautiful, matchless, incredible Savior. And so, God, may this moment be extremely meaningful for us as we just uh, bear ourselves before you so that you can do your work in us so that we would be beautiful reflections of you as we live our lives. So God, thank you so much for your broken body. Thank you so much for your shed blood on the cross and what that accomplished. God, in the, the life that we have in you that is proven by your resurrection from the dead. God, we love you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.
So Jesus was sharing the traditional Passover meal with his disciples when he infused the bread and the cup with a completely new meaning based on what he was about to do as he went to the cross. And so the Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, Jesus took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Scripture says that whenever we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Such the desire of our hearts, longing for that day when Christ's return and makes all things new. So as a, excuse me, as a response to this moment, we want to uh, repeat the Lord's prayer together as just a closing of this time together. So let's look at the screens and pray this together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Good morning, Hopevale. Boy, it is great to share this day of worship with you. I'm Dan Davis, a senior pastor. You know, Hopevale, we like to say that we are one church in two locations here in Saginaw and Bay City. Welcome, Bay City. And yet these times of communion remind us that we are in two locations as one church. One church who is part of a bigger church, Jesus' church all around the world. And that we realize that we're not alone. We're part of this incredible kingdom movement. The gospel is spreading hope and light and life and love to all corners of the world. And we get to be a part of that right in our own community and in this Great Lakes Bay region. So that is tremendous. Well, today we are wrapping up our four-week series for the month of February entitled Leap. Leap 4 commitments worth making, right? We're tapping into this whole word picture of leaping, that when you make an all-in commitment, it is like taking the leap from the safety of one place to the uncertainty of another. That's why commitments can be scary, because we're never going to have all the guarantees we want ahead of time that everything's going to work out in the end. And so whether it is committing to a church and making that church your home, Or it's saying, I do, and committing your lifelong faithfulness in marriage to a spouse. Or like we looked at last week, it's committing to give to the Lord through 
your church, trusting that as you give your money away, God will, as it says in Philippians chapter 4, meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. And that commitments like these are leaps of faith in a God who is worthy of all our trust, in a God who truly has our best in mind. And I hope communion today has reminded you of that. It has been a great series so far. And today, as we conclude, we're going to look at our fourth and final leap. And that is the leap into baptism. The leap into baptism, where a Christian makes the commitment to go public with their faith and to identify as a Jesus follower. Now, I realize that when I bring up the word baptism, it triggers all sorts of different thoughts, feelings, emotions, memories, and every one of you, memories and thoughts and feelings and emotions that are weighed heavily by perhaps our upbringing, our background, our past experiences. I mean, the word, Rorschach, the word baptism is like one of those Rorschach inkblot tests, right? The inkblot where we're all looking at the same picture, but we're all seeing different things. Baptism can be like that. So even now in this room, we have people who have never been baptized. Then we have some people who were baptized as infants, but not as adults, and vice versa. You were baptized as an adult, but not as an infant. And there are some of us here who were baptized both as infants and as adults. That's my story, and it's my wife Kathy's as well. Then on top of that, We have people who have been sprinkled with water by a pastor or a priest. We have people who have been dunked in a lake, in a tank, in a box with a fox, in a house with a mouse. You know, it's just, (laughs) you get the idea. Seriously, though, you know, with all my years as a pastor in this church and being a part of this community, I know that people's understandings about baptism are all, all over the place, and so... Today, what I want to do is first, I want to talk with you and address those understandings, right? Where they come from, right? And, and, and what they are and, and maybe where yours has come from. But then I want to then focus in on how we best understand the scriptures to teach about baptism and why being baptized as a Christian is a commitment worth making. So for starters, I'm going to throw around a couple very religious-sounding church words, right, that you may or may not be familiar with. But chances are, with the hunch that I have, many of you and where you're coming from, I think this is going to be time well spent. And the two words I want to talk about are these, sacraments and ordinances. Sacraments and ordinances. Both are religious rites. They are acts of worship, and why they are talking about similar things, they're not talking about identical things, right? No, it depends, right, which version, which brand, which denomination of Christianity that you're a part of, whether the term sacrament or ordinance would be used. So let me explain that in Roman Catholicism and in some Protestant church, they would use the word sacrament, while in most Protestant churches and evangelical churches, and when I say evangelical, I'm speaking religiously, not politically, that in most Protestant and evangelical churches, and in ours here, we would use the word ordinance. Again, similar but not identical. So let's drill down a little deeper and see the differences, right? 
Sacraments, in, in Roman Catholicism, there are seven different sacraments, including baptism. For Protestants and for us here, uh, there are two, including baptism. Seven in Roman Catholicism. They are, um, here we go, baptism, confirmation, holy communion, confession, marriage, holy orders, and the anointing of the sick. Seven sacraments. Well, for us here, and for most Protestants, there are two ordinances. So there's baptism, which I'm speaking about right now, and there is communion, what we celebrated together this morning. Seven verses two. And while the difference of how many there are is of some significance, the greater issue has to do with what they mean and why they are important. So when you compare the two and you see these rites of worship and acts of faith, Sacraments are defined as something needed for salvation, while ordinances are portraits of salvation. Needed for salvation versus portraits of salvation. And the difference here is crucial. In other words, according to the teachings or the catechism of the Roman Catholic Church, these seven sacraments, including baptism, are, quote, they're instituted by Christ. They're entrusted to the church by which divine life is dispensed to us. The teaching goes on that the church affirms that for believers, the sacraments of the new covenant are necessary for salvation. The sacraments are necessary for salvation. Again, not my words, those are directly from Roman Catholic doctrine. On the other hand, most Protestant churches, including us, would believe that the ordinances are important, but for different reasons. They're important because they portray the richness and the beauty of our salvation, what we have celebrated today. A salvation that is not observed, that, that, that does not come by observing ongoing religious rites, but rather a salvation that comes by God's grace alone, through our faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone, as our Savior alone. You see the difference? Or to put it another way, sacraments are means of grace, channels of grace. Well, for us as Protestants, they are reminders of grace. Means of grace, reminders of grace. So the idea behind a means of grace is this, that when a worshiper performs a sacrament, they are receiving a blessing of grace which either allows them to enter into or keep them in salvation. That's why sacraments are so crucial in Roman Catholicism. Because your forgiveness, your very standing with God depends on how much and how well you have been keeping the sacraments. On the other hand, for most Protestants, the motivation for keeping the two ordinances are obedience and remembrance. Obedience and remembrance. Now, when I say reminder of grace, I'm talking about something much more than just jogging our memory like, oh, I, I forgot this. No, an ordinance is this holistic act of worship that engages us and our whole person, body, soul, mind, and spirit. That's why communion this morning was so powerful. Because I do think there is an aspect where we experience God's grace through baptism, through communion, in spiritually renewing and refreshing ways. But these acts of worship are not what gain us or keep us in God's favor. No, the promise and the gift of eternal life, they're ours because of who Jesus is and what he has done on our behalf. And that promise is guaranteed to us 
Not that we're keeping up on the treadmill, but rather through the seal of the indwelling Holy Spirit who is placed on the heart of every genuine believer in Jesus Christ. See the difference? Baptism, communion, they remind us powerfully of how amazing God's grace really is. Now, I realize that for some of you, you're probably thinking I spent way too much time on that. For others of you, you wish I had gone deeper. Yet, whatever you're thinking right now, you need to know that what I just talked about there is much more than just, you know, splitting the, the potato, potato, you know, hairs, right? Like, well, what's good for you? What's good for me? You know, it's a lot more than just potato, potato, right? Now, what's at stake is our eternal standing before a holy God of either guilt or innocence and what we're relying on. What we look to to pardon the wrongs that we have done against him and others. But don't just take my word for it. Now let's look at these words from the Bible itself, written by the Apostle Paul, who was not just one of the premier leaders of Christianity in its infancy, but Paul was also someone who personally experienced the, the invasion of God's saving grace into his life supernaturally through this encounter with the resurrected and ascended Lord Jesus Christ. So here's what Paul teaches us in the New Testament book of Titus. Titus chapter 3, beginning in verse 3, that as he addresses Christians, he writes this. He says, at one time, back in the day, we as Christians, we too were foolish. We were disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. Enslaved. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. At one time, we too were fill in the blank. See, Christianity at its most personal level always comes down to a before and after story. Always. That every genuine follower of Jesus has their own B.C., A.D. timeline, right? This is my life before Jesus. This is my life after Jesus. So the Apostle Paul describes the before with words like foolish and disobedient, deceived, enslaved by passion and pleasure. Malice, envy, hatred, right? And as much as we look at a list like that and we want to deny it, deflect it, discredit it, downplay it, so we look at those allegations, if we're truly being honest with ourselves, we all stand guilty of these charges before God. And that apart from any outside intervention of righteousness, this is our sealed faith. This is the before of Christianity. And for those who are outside of it still, this is also their now. This is also their forever, unless something changes. Thankfully, though, something has changed because Christianity has an after. Verse 4, but, at one time, but, when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. He saved, and how did he save us? Why did he save us? Lock into this. This is so crucial. Not because of the righteous things we had done. That's not what did it. No, but because of his mercy. His mercy. And the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared. See, that's when Jesus showed up. Jesus came to our planet. And when he did, everything changed. That through his life, through his death, through his resurrection, his salvation, right, made possible not because of the righteous things we had done. Actually, they were made possible not because of, but in spite of what we've done. 
So Jesus offers this mercy, this unearned, undeserved love and kindness that comes from God. So personally, that's what bothers me some about this whole idea of sacraments. That somehow our standing is dependent on righteous things we do. How well we've done them. How often we've done them. How recently we've done them. I mean, I have great respect for many in Catholicism. I love the good that the church has done in serving others, especially the poor. I think there's some things we can learn there, but I gotta tell you, I've also encountered a a nervousness, an insecurity with some who come from a Catholic background. Paranoid that either they happen to miss mass one weekend, or they're just not quite sure if they've done enough to get by. Baptism, confirmation, holy communion, confession, marriage, holy orders, anointing of the sick, that is a lot to carry. And it's really heartbreaking to see all that religious pressure that some people put on themselves, especially in light of this passage, because it's not because of the righteous things we had done. Friends, God saves us because of his mercy and not because of our goodness or our righteous deeds. And when you go on, as Paul continues, it just keeps on getting better, right? Back to verse 5. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Lord. I think this passage is a really important one when we talk about what baptism is and is not. Because when you read these words and you think about how the guilt of our sin is washed away, It doesn't come from the outside in with physical water. No, how does it come? What does it say? It comes from the inside out by the Holy Spirit. The washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. And when Paul mentions rebirth, right? This is what Jesus describes as being born again. The personal experience where we enter into salvation. How? By God's grace alone. Through our faith alone. In Jesus Christ alone. Jesus, not just as the Savior, but also as our Savior, as my Savior. This is the gospel. The gospel. You know, there are a lot of great expressions in this passage, but the one that I'm particularly drawn to is this one right here. Generously. That when you think of God's love, his grace, his mercy... Our God is not a stingy God with an eyedropper just giving us little drips. No. Our God is the God of the vast ocean whose grace and mercy we can never exhaust. But it runs runs and keeps going and keeps going, right? This is the God we've been worshiping. And because he so generously, so abundantly pours out his Holy Spirit upon those who know Jesus as their Savior, look at this, verse 7. So that having been justified or been made right, been made righteous by, not our works, but by God's grace, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. Heirs having the hope of eternal life. See, Jesus not only uh, redeems our past, but he also secures our future. He secures our future that because we are justified, because we are forgiven by his grace and not by our righteous works, we are guaranteed heirs to the most valuable and most enduring inheritance ever, the inheritance of eternal life, this capital L life with Jesus that starts in the here and now and carries on into the forever after. 
And then if you know Christ as your Savior, this is your inheritance. Life with a capital L and hope, they go together. So that no matter the intensity of your present trials, no matter the pain of your personal suffering, who you are in Christ can never and will never be taken from you. And as a believer in Christ, you will always still be the heir of eternal life. And see, this is the hope of Jesus that's for everyone. Everyone, including you. Well, this series is called Leap, right? Four commitments worth making, and in a moment, I want to challenge those of you who haven't done so already to take the leap into believer's baptism, and that you would do so as an act of obedience and remembrance. You would do so in response to who Jesus has been for you, and it would be your public declaration of your commitment to him, right? That's the challenge, but, but I got to tell you, when I say that, I feel like that is more of a step to challenge. That in light of everything I've talked about, it's a step to challenge. Why? Because before baptism comes belief. Before baptism comes belief. And I just don't want to presume anything about anyone in here. I don't want to presume you have belief if you don't. And if you do have belief, I don't want to presume that your belief is properly placed. See, according to the Bible, misplaced belief, right? Believing in your own good works, believing in your own righteous deeds. Misplaced belief is just as dangerous as no belief at all. Can I say that again? That according to the Bible, misplaced belief is just as dangerous as no belief at all. That means that the overtly religious person who is relying on their own goodness and the stone-cold atheist has no faith whatsoever, they are equally lost in the eyes of God and equally in need of a Savior. Now, maybe one of those describes you, or maybe you are somewhere else on your spiritual journey. But wherever you are, step one simply comes down to Jesus and who you believe he is. And by the way, when I say believe, I'm not just talking about up here in your head. I'm also talking about in here in your heart, in your soul, in the most valuable part of who you are. One of the most well-known Bible verses of all says it best. That in explaining the good news of Jesus Christ from the Gospel of John, chapter 3, verse 16, John says this, that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, Jesus, that whoever does enough good things, no, whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God so loved and so he gave. God so loves you and so he gives you his son Jesus that whoever humbly, whoever wholeheartedly believes in him as their savior will not receive the just punishment for their sins, for their selfishness, for their rebellion against God. They will not perish eternally apart from him. But rather, just like we saw in Titus 3, they'll be saved, they'll be rescued, they'll be redeemed, they'll be washed clean, they will receive the gift of eternal life now, always, and forever. And guess what? We can be fully confident in this reality because of Jesus' death on the cross and because of his resurrection from the grave. That is our guarantee. So that before the leap into baptism comes the leap into belief. And if what I've talked about describes you, I want to invite you to step one. Step one is to commit your heart, your soul, your life 
to Jesus, to call on him to be your savior. How do you do that? Well, you can make that commitment simply by expressing your sincere faith to Jesus. And you do it through a heartfelt, honest prayer like this. And I want to read that prayer. Not because the prayer is magical. It's just my attempt to put some of that heartfelt words of what we might want to say to Jesus. And so I'm going to read this. And if, if you feel like you want to, you need to cross the line of faith and trust Jesus as your Savior, you can pray along with me in, the, in the, the preciousness of your heart. Jesus, I want you. And Jesus, I need you to be my Savior. That apart from you, I know I am lost. But with you, I know that I have life. Life abundant. Life forgiven. Life eternal. And life everlasting in your forever kingdom. And so Jesus, I believe. I believe in you and you alone. Thank you for dying on the cross in my place for my sins. Thank you for defeating sin and death by rising victoriously from the grave. All of my hope is in you. And so Jesus, I pray this in your holy name. Amen. If this morning you cross the line of faith, if this morning you are trusting in Jesus as your Savior, Everything we've talked about is now true for you. Whether you feel it or not, you belong to Jesus, and he belongs to you. That he is forever yours, and we want to celebrate that new hope with you, right? Because now it means you have begun this amazing journey of what it means to follow Jesus, and to follow Jesus with us here at Hopevale. We would love to encourage you with that. So please feel free to reach out to us. Talk to you know, one of our elders or, or staff after the service during prayer time. Tell us that you took the leap into belief in Jesus. That's where it all begins. That's step number one. But it doesn't stop there because as followers of Jesus, we're then commanded to follow in his footsteps. We're called to publicly proclaim our allegiance to him in baptism, just as Jesus did with his heavenly father. Nearly 2,000 years ago when Jesus himself was baptized in the Jordan River. And so here at Hopevale, we practice what's known as believer's baptism. Believer's baptism, meaning just like we've talked about, that baptism isn't something you do to become forgiven, but baptism is something you do because you're forgiven. And so we practice believer's baptism here at Hopevale in grateful response to God's amazing grace. We practice believer's baptism because it's something Jesus both modeled for us and commanded us to do. And we practice believer's baptism because we want to tell God, we want to tell ourselves, we want to tell the church, and we want to tell the world that we belong to Jesus and that all of our hope is in him. So remember the inkblot? Same picture, seeing different things. You know, for me personally, I was uh, baptized as an infant in a Protestant church. Because my parents wanted God's blessing on my life, right? Whatever that meant to them at the time. And as I grew up through my teen and college years, I wrestled with who I believed Jesus was to me. And that's important wrestling to do. Not what my parents believed Jesus to be. Not what the pastor who sprinkled me believed Jesus to be. No, what was it that I believed? And it's just like that dramatic moment in the Gospels when Jesus 
a few years into his ministry, flat out asks his own disciples, who do you say that I am? Not what you've heard on the streets, not what the experts are saying, not what you might have even learned growing up, but who do you say that I am to you? And so there came that point in my life, in uh, my teen years, when I told Jesus through a simple, heartfelt, desperate prayer, just like I said earlier, Jesus, you are my Savior. And it's through that confession of faith that it became more real to me over the course of a few years, and I realized that my next step as a follower of Jesus was believer's baptism. I also knew that that step had the potential to offend my parents, that it might feel to them like I was rejecting what they did for me as an infant, which, by the way, I know is a wrestling point for a lot of people who call Hopevale their church home. I've had those conversations with you. But, but I've come to realize over the years, I now see my personal faith in Jesus, my subsequent grown-up baptism, I see that not as a rejection of my parents' wishes for me. I see it as a fulfillment of those wishes. Not a rejection, but a fulfillment. I mean, think about it. Here I am now, some 50-plus years later, and I love God. I really do, and by God's grace, I try to walk in his ways the best I can. That includes caring for other people, trying to help meet the needs of those, you know, who need help and to do so when I'm able, right? Those are pretty good things. And maybe it doesn't look like what they might have envisioned way back then, but boy, that overall theme has definitely come to fruition. And see, that's my encouragement to some of you here today who might feel that same hesitation, that you're holding back out of respect to your family and how they raised you. If that's you, let me just do a, let me nudge you first. You've got to own your own faith, right? There comes a point when you grow up that you've got to own your own faith. Because salvation does not depend on the goodness of your parents or their righteousness. No, it depends on you. So you've got to own your own faith. No one can decide who Jesus is for you but you. But then second, I would encourage you to see baptism as a fulfillment of your parents' wishes and not a rejection. Now, I realize they might not fully understand why you're doing what you're doing, but that's where you need to take the leap. And trust God for what comes after. Does that make sense? Well, as we begin to wind down, I want to just talk about a few specifics as it relates to baptism here at Hopevale, including a service that we have coming up. So looking ahead to April, just a couple months away, our next baptism service is Sunday, April 19th. It's the Sunday after Easter, and it's going to take place both in Saginaw and Bay City. And by the way, I love that we do baptism the Sunday after Easter because it's the perfect response to the greatest news ever. He is not here. He is risen. He is risen. So that's when the service is. And then in preparation for that, we have some classes next month. Adults for kids and preteens and for youth. You can see the details here. For adults, we have classes for those who want to get baptized or just want to learn more. Friday evening, March 13th, Saturday morning, March 14th. For kids and preteens, Sunday, March 8th. Uh, For our youth, uh, middle school, high school, it's just one-on-one meetings with Pastor Brent. Right Now, I know that's a lot of information. If you have questions, you can always go to our baptism landing page on our website right here. Um, hopefl.org slash baptism and just a lot of details on when the dates are, finding out information and signing up 
for those classes. Of course, you can talk to any one of us on ministry staff, or you can go to the welcome desk at both our campuses as well. So, you know, it's one thing to talk about baptism, but it is another thing to see it. It's another thing to experience it. So let's go ahead and take a look at the screens for just one minute, and then I'll close. Let's take a look. We've learned today, through looking at the scriptures, through sharing communion together, that Jesus is in the business of giving hope. And Jesus is in the business of changing lives. All he asks us is to trust him and to take the leap. So as we think about where we've been these last four weeks, whether it's a leap into church, a leap into marriage, a leap into giving, a leap into baptism, a leap into the grace and mercy of Jesus, or a leap into anything else in your life. Do not let your fear stand in the way of your faith. Don't let your fear stand in the way of your faith. No, take the leap. Whatever God is nudging you to do, take the leap. Because when you do, watch out. Because God is gonna do wonders in your life. He really is. All because of Jesus. Let's pray together. God, thank you. Thank you for an amazing Sunday, for drawing our minds, our hearts, our, our, our energy, our emotion back to the bedrock of Christianity. And that bedrock has a name, Jesus. And Jesus, we want to thank you for the life you lived, the death you died, the resurrection that you gave to us to show us, to prove to us that all of this is true and real and relevant, and eternal. And God, I know that in this room, there are some step one people, right? That before baptism comes belief, and they need to cross the line of faith. And God, I pray that they would raise the hand of their heart to Jesus and just say, Jesus, I believe. I need, and I believe. Please be my savior. Others of us, Lord, it's time to go public, to tell ourselves, to tell you, to tell the world, to tell our church that we belong to you, and that we're going to give our lives, whatever that means, right, the rest of our lives, to following you more fully. God, thank you that you're worthy of our trust, that you are good. So whatever the leap in our life is, we know you're there on the other side, and that as you nudge, as you lead, 
as you prompt, and sometimes as you push. God, help us to all take the leap we need and find and experience the blessing that's waiting for us on the other side. This we pray, this we believe, this we celebrate in your name, Jesus. Amen. It really all does come down to Jesus. And so as we respond in worship and close our service, I invite you to stand as we sing together this great anthem of worship.
Well, that's how you finish a Sunday. That's how you finish a series, giving praise to the Lord our God. Again, we want to remind you about elder prayer in the hub if you'd like someone to pray with you. I also want to give you a teaser into next week and next month. We're kicking off a series called 31 Days of Prayer where we're going to talk about prayer, but not just talk about it. We are going to do it as a church because this isn't just a Sunday series. This is a all throughout the week experience, and we can't wait to tell you more about it next Sunday, March 1st. But as you go from here, may you live a life worthy, praising our God all day long. God bless you.